atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Cosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This is the broadcast for April the 6th in the year of our Lord 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property. And to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Yes, indeed. Richard Mack was with us Friday. Sam, Kurt, and Richard. Saturday, it was Sam and Richard for two hours. We talked about the federal government has created... A serious credibility crisis around this coronavirus. Uh, it's a sad tale to tell. Mr. Fossey, for example, Anthony Fossey or Fauci, dismisses virus models, but he urges a nationwide lockdown. They don't tell you anything. You really can't rely on models, he says. What? They've been using models this whole time, and every time they have to turn around and, well, correct their model. We'll get into that as the broadcast unfolds. We also talked about the coronavirus models are just as unreliable as the global warming models. Martial law, ladies and gentlemen, is the imposition of direct military control of normal civilian functions by a government. Is that what's going on? Trump really is leading the remaking of America, folks. Yeah, we talked about a mayor got mocked for urging criminals to stay at home. Yeah, mayor says, you know, hey, you guys need to uh, chill and stop. That's the Houston mayor. Anyway, second hour with Richard Mack. We talked about the U.S. government's hatching a crazy plan. Yeah, to use your cell phone to force social distancing in America and track your every move. The White House and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. CDC wants Google, Facebook, and other big tech country, companies to turn over tech data on you, your whereabouts, etc., etc. The effort is through a process known as syndromic surveillance. If you don't know about that, you've got to go study it, folks. Anyway, they're also taking mental health monitoring, and it's going mobile, according to MIT. Uh, if you want to learn more about the project and you don't believe me, go to ginger.io. G-I-N-G-E-R, ginger.io, and you'll see that they're literally creating these applications to monitor what's going on with you, with your body, Social distancing, mental health, and it's all being pushed under the Donald Trump administration secretly, quietly. But if you dig, you'll find it. 3M CEO, we will keep exporting M95 masks to other nations. Yeah, N95 masks to other nations. Donald basically says that uh, that's a serious problem. Now we know how Germany let it happen, writes Chuck Baldwin. Interesting column as well. Lloyd Marcus writes an interesting column. Will Trump betray us after Corona? All fair questions. The United Nations, by the way, wants 10% global tax. Did you see that, anybody? Wow. All right, that's a recap of the broadcast that took place on Saturday. Still available online at libertyroundtable.com. Without further ado, Lowell Nelson's with us. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. All right. Let's talk about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints semi-annual general conference. It was incredible. Uh, just so you know, there's three sessions on Saturday, 
two sessions on Sunday, five incredible two-hour sessions. So 10 hours of religious worship over the weekend. It was absolutely, in my opinion, phenomenal. And we update the world on this because remember, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a 16-plus million member worldwide church. And uh, we think it's appropriate for folks to kind of keep an eye on what's happening there at the least, whether you're a member of the church or not. Church President Russell M. Nelson counseled worship as an anecdote to earthquakes, fires, floods, plagues. He said, you know what? The increasing darkness, and that's interesting in the world, a statement like that, right? All these different fires and plagues and everything else. The increasing darkness that accompanies tribulation makes the light of Jesus Christ shine ever brighter. That's an important, important, important statement, folks. Also, they issued a new church proclamation titled The Restoration of the Fullness of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a bicentennial proclamation to the world. This is not just to mean you, it's to the world. And then President Nelson went on and asked the members of the church and anyone else who was so inclined to fast this Friday on Good Friday that the president or the present pandemic may be controlled, caregivers protected, the economy strengthened. And life normalized. Thus, he really reminded that his turning to God is the answer to any crisis of the day. Tremendous stuff. There's way too much to go into. There's no way to cover it all, really. But I'm just telling you, there was faith. There was hope. There was turning to God. There was repentance. There was modern receiving of revelation through the church and individually. There was turning to the Holy Ghost as your companion. There was so many incredible topics. That's kind of my summary. Lowell, you want to go next? Uh, sure, Sam. Um, yes, absolutely agree. A wonderful conference. A um, couple things that, that I uh, wanted to mention that relate to our country and our freedoms, our liberties, and so forth. Um, I picked out, I mean, one, one speaker reminded us, of the Book of Mormon prophets who encouraged his people to, quote, remember the captivity of their fathers, end of quote. Right? Remember the captivity of your fathers. Why would he suggest such a thing? Well, as I thought about it, um, I think there are several reasons, of course. But one of them is that uh, we're more grateful for our liberties, for our freedoms, if we also recognize that our fathers did not have such liberty, right? our forefathers didn't have those liberties. Um, uh, secondly, it makes us more knowledgeable about the liberty that we have and sufficiently knowledgeable to retain that liberty. It gives us hope that we can reclaim the freedoms that we have lost. And so if you think of the colonists of the 1700s and how they suffered great oppression, captivity really from England, King George III, um, if, if we don't understand how they were oppressed, if we don't remember their oppression, then we will not be able to recognize and stop such oppression today. And I think this is particularly um, important, Sam, to realize, because we're now undergoing some oppression right now that could uh, result in the loss of our rights to life, liberty, and property if these 
um, encroachments upon our freedom continue to, to occur. And, and yet, if we're not aware that these were liberties taken away from our forefathers, and, and, and we don't value freedom the same way they did, then we will not, uh, you know, they'll be taken away from us too, right? I mean, think about the due process of law, for example. Um, it's a right that we have that's embodied in the Constitution, the blueprint for liberty, that life, liberty, and property will not be taken except by due process, right? What does that mean? Well, some of our progenitors, they were, you know, accused of some crime, thrown into a, uh, into prison without the benefit of counsel, without the benefit and opportunity to face and cross-examine their accusers, without the benefit of a, uh, of a trial by a jury of their peers, right? I mean, these are things that were done to them. Um, and, 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 and fortunately, because of the injustices done to our fathers, those who framed the Constitution, those who framed the Declaration of Independence and other marvelous documents, founding era documents, because of, because of their experiences, they wrote into the Constitution and to the Bill of Rights many of the important safeguards to our freedom. And so that's really why it's important that we remember the captivity of our fathers. And in fact, if we look at some of the experiences of our brothers and sisters in today's world, um, Cambodia in the 1970s, right, when Pol Pot killed um, about one-fourth of his citizen, fellow citizens in Cambodia. Look at Rwanda in 1994. Look at Pakistan in 2008, 9, and 10. Look at North Korea today. These are examples, modern-day examples, in our lifetime of the captivity of our brothers and sisters in other countries. And we really ought to learn lessons from their experiences and from the experiences of our progenitors and take whatever steps are necessary so that we don't lose the freedoms and liberties that we have uh, currently today and find ourselves in a predicament such as Cambodia in 1970s or in, uh, as Rwanda in in 1994, right, or the North Korea experiences today. We we must remember the captivity of our fathers and see that it doesn't happen here. So anyway, that was just one lesson, Sam, that, that I felt uh, was very appropriate. Um, and then there's another lesson that we can take from this um, effort to renovate the Salt Lake uh, Temple. Um, this was discussed by a couple of different speakers. Uh, it's going to require about four years. Now, the upgrade isn't going to focus on the external or internal uh, appearance of the temple, but it's going to focus on the foundation of the temple to make them seismic ready, basically ready to withstand any earthquake, Sam. Lowell Nelson continues in seconds, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. 
More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, so we're doing a recap of the general conference, the semi-annual general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're talking about re, uh, retrofitting the temple, the Salt Lake City Temple, uh, to, uh, you know, last through an earthquake to be seismically upgraded. Uh, and the question becomes, really, that's happening to the temple, and it's a wonderful thing. Is that happening in our lives spiritually? Is that happening to our country, Lowell? Uh, great question, Sam. Uh, precisely what I wanted to focus focus on. Um, the uh, focus on the temple will be on its foundation, um, and they showed pictures, uh, little diagrams of what they intend to do, which is really how the buildings in Shinjuku, Japan, were done 20 years ago or 30 years ago when I was there, um, uh, or maybe 40 now, I can't remember, but but basically they they put them on, um, on, on a footing uh, that can withstand the, the shock of an earthquake, meaning that the building is, isn't, uh, isn't jiggled or rattled just because the earth underneath it rattles. Basically, it's on a bed of springs is one way to think about it. It's on a bed of, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's on a bed of springs, um, and, and so when the earth shakes around it, the building itself isn't shaken, right? And so, anyway, that's kind of what they're going to do is the foundation of the temple, which is audacious, because that temple obviously is heavy. It's made of granite. The foundations are, are, are tons and tons of weight, and, and yet they're going to go about this. And the, the question is, you know, is, is our foundation, our personal foundation, ready for the seismic earthquakes that will be happening around us? What about our, the foundation of our country, the foundations of our government? 
do we view our country as one nation or as a confederation of sovereign states, right? I mean, just one's perspective on this is important. Uh, the latter, I hope you answered, because that's the way the framers uh, felt about our country. They often talked about it as a republic of republics, uh, never as a single homogenous nation. Uh, do you view the general government as superior to the states or the states superior to the general government? Again, the latter, I hope, because it's the states that created the general government and vested it with specific, limited, enumerated powers. Well, is the foundation of our country on a, on a sound foundation? And what can we do to make it more seismic ready? Here, this COVID-19 earthquake, so to speak, was announced. And what did the general government do? Uh, did the general government adhere to the Constitution? Well, no. Uh, they they made laws. They uh, recommended actions which were contrary to the Constitution. They did not. The general government did not follow the blueprint of liberty in response to this COVID-19 earthquake, so to speak. What about the state government? Did they adhere to their constitution? Well, some did. Most did not. So when you think about the intervention of the general government into the domestic affairs of the people without any constitutional authority to do so, um, then you have, then you know, you realize that we, that the foundations of our current government office holders is not seismic ready, not ready to, um, withstand the shaking of an earth or the, uh, you know, the hurricanes that will blow, the winds that will blow, right? I mean, the Constitution didn't say, we're going to follow these rules unless in case of an emergency. You don't find those words, that phrase, in the Constitution. That's because it's right, it's because it's during an emergency when it's most important to follow the Constitution. Because our framers knew, our founders knew that most authority gets arrogated to the crown during an emergency, during a time of war, in fact. They knew that war was the most detrimental thing to liberty. Uh, war and debt are the two most detrimental things to liberty, and so they warned us about it, and they wrote into the Constitution the principles of liberty in hopes that we, our generation, would not fall prey to this notion that during a time of crisis, during a time of emergency, the crown can do anything it wants. And in modern day, we need to really guard against them labeling anything as a war in an effort to incite that emergency scenario. They call anything a war, and pretty soon we buckle and say, well, we can give up our liberties because, golly, we're in a war. It's crisis time. We must. And we need to guard against basically labeling everything a war so they can have those increased powers and have those powers not be challenged by anyone at all. All right, Kurt, did you want to chime in? Did you uh, have any th thoughts that you wanted to highlight from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints General Annual Conference, sir? Or some you of know, I will, I will say this, that um, it's, um, uh, I mean, to me, the highlight is that it is the 200th anniversary of the uh, um, 
what what we call the first vision and uh, that's been mentioned uh, i know but i just uh for me that's a highlight and then uh, somebody already mentioned the uh, proclamation that was put forward on that there's been uh, what four of them in history and uh last one was like 25 one. years ago oh, okay sorry anyway the last one was like 25 years ago and and this is a pretty big uh big thing at least in my life and uh, you know i i believe it's uh, newsworthy um i recommend uh, you know of course uh, listening or watching the whole thing uh, to anyone by all means and out of the six proclamations from what i understand there's only uh, been you know several of them have been to the to the members of the Church of the Saints there's only been a couple that are to the world and the one 25 years ago a proclamation um on the family to the world was in 1995. This is the second one to the world, Kurt. Yeah, it's, um, at least in my opinion, uh, when you look over those documents and, and you see that, um, you know, 15 uh, men uh, have put their uh, signatures to them, uh, it's, it's pretty much like uh, when you look at the uh, original Book of Mormon and you see... Uh, three individuals that uh, witnessed that they uh, um, saw the angel and held the uh, gold plates and uh, then you had uh, eight additional witnesses that held those gold plates that were what they translated the Book of Mormon from. It's pretty impressive uh, to me if you really want to examine the whole thing. Well, there you have it. We thought we'd cover that again. Church president, Russell M. Nelson, basically said, hey, worship as an anecdote to earthquakes, fires, floods, plagues. He said the increasing darkness that accompanies tribulation makes the light of Jesus Christ shine ever brighter. And then he basically talked about this new proclamation And then really, President Nelson then asked the members of the church, as well as anybody else willing, so it's an offer or whatever to the whole world, to please fast on Good Friday. That the present pandemic may be controlled. In my opinion, this is important, because no matter how you feel about the pandemic, whether you feel like it's overblown or whatever you feel about that, um, you know, it's something really to think about, right? We want to make sure that the the real answer God knows our situation and he wants what's best for his children is the idea and so the idea is to fast and pray that we can control this virus Um, caregivers protected the economy may be strengthened and then life may be normalized and I happen to agree with this Lowell no matter what we want to say no matter if we agree that you know this is a manufactured crisis or whether you think it's an overblown crisis or whether you think that the response is just and necessary, there's people all over the map on this. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, there's no greater answer than to turn to God in a crisis like this rather than government. Lowell? Yeah, I love, too, how they recounted the history. Uh, this, you know, fasting is not something brand new. It's not something weird and novel today's society, but has been a practice of generations uh, and, and eras. It's not restricted to any particular country or culture. Um, I, I just really uh, thought it was, it was fun to, 
to hear them recount the history of, of fasting. You know, uh, I, I believe George Washington uh, did a lot of fasting and prayer, praying uh, when he was leading the the troops, the colonials, against the the most uh, the strongest army in the world at the time in the 1770s uh, in battle against uh, England. Uh, there was days set aside for the the whole country to fast and to pray for specific blessings. So this is a great opportunity for us also to show our, our, our God, our Creator, that we're sincere about overcoming this current pandemic. Sam? All right, ladies and gentlemen, quick pause. Sam Curtin, Lowell on your radio. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. The nation's top expert on infectious disease saying the country has not yet gotten the coronavirus under control, and this will be a very difficult week. On CBS's Face the Nation, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that America hasn't quite seen the peak of the outbreak yet. However, at Sunday's Coronavirus Task Force meeting, Vice President Mike Pence said, We are beginning to see the glimmers of progress. Uh, the experts will tell me not not to jump to any conclusions, and I'm not, but like your president, I'm an optimistic person, and I'm hopeful. Former Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chafee calling it quits on his run for the White House. Chafee announcing yesterday the timing is difficult for him to run as a libertarian candidate in 2020. He ran for president as a Democrat in 2016. This is USA Radio News. So I don't know if you saw this, but there was just this big study about anxiety among us. Really interesting in this study about what can keep us up at night. One of the top stressors out of all the things to worry about is paying for health care. A huge majority of us say we're worried about that. It's totally understandable, but there's an affordable alternative to health insurance. It's MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, and it has worked beautifully for more than 25 years. And not only do people save lots of money, they get access to a huge network of doctors. They get to take advantage of 24-7 live access online where they can talk to a doctor and even get prescriptions. And, of course, there is the savings. With MediShare, the typical family saves $500 a month. That can help you sleep easier, too. There's a lot to love about it. No wonder it's grown so much. Here is the number to find out more. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-B-I-B-L-E. 833-34-BIBLE. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden says he'll be wearing a face mask when he goes out into public because of the coronavirus. It's important to follow the science. Listen to the experts. Do what they tell you. The U.S. has now confirmed 330,000 cases of the coronavirus, and the death toll has climbed to at least 9,600. And again, government officials say it's going to get worse before it gets better. The Department of Veterans Affairs opening its hospitals to coronavirus patients, as VA Secretary Robert Wilkie says 1,500 beds will be open to patients around the nation. Wilkie says 100 beds are already open in the New York area, which has been the epicenter of the illness. 
illness in the United States. Walmart ramping up safety measures after two Chicago area workers died from coronavirus. This weekend, the store began limiting the number of shoppers allowed in its stores to promote social distancing. This is USA Radio News. All right, I've been pushing back on COVID-19 for quite a while now. People disagree with me, and it's about to fracture the Patriot community. You're literally going to have the whole Patriot community fractured over this, ladies and gentlemen. Some believe it's overhyped, and some believe that, hey, President Trump can do no wrong. The debate rages on, I'll tell you that right now. Nevertheless, I got a a, a magazine from the John Birch Society, so the new American magazine that breaks this all down, a huge, long series on uh, the virus. And what they basically talk about is this. The virus may be real. And I'm one that agrees that the virus is real and it's serious. But the question is, do you double down in tyranny or do you, or do you just simply advance liberty uh, when this happens? And that's kind of the core cause and discussion point. Nevertheless, Joel Skousen wrote an article in his latest World Affairs Brief, COVID-19, the growing hype, and how to counter it. Joel Skousen, lol? Uh, he begins with this powerful... Uh couple paragraphs, Sam. All my life, I've seen how big lies are created and used to manipulate the public. But I've never seen anything like this before. The entire mainstream media around the world is in lockstep with government to push a pervasive lockdown agenda based on a massive distortion of facts, exaggeration of danger, and false solutions with complete disregard for the damage the lockdown has on individual lives. Fortunately, the further we get into this, with a death rate that doesn't match the fear-mongering claims, uh, the more it will cause people to demand freedom from these restrictions. Unfortunately, I fear the government will claim the low death rate is because of their draconian measures and use it to cement these policies for next time. Even worse, I fear the majority will believe them setting the stage for a string of future shutdowns upon command. This week, I will cover the proven unreliability of COVID-19 tests, the false claim that hospitals are overwhelmed, a realistic realistic way of looking at the death rate, and more evidence they are preparing to require proof of vaccination before allowing liberty to travel, work, or go to school. It all smacks of the show-me-your-papers demand of Nazi Germany. Sam, end of quote there. That's his opening... Now, Joel is pretty hardcore on this. Do you think he's overstating the issue, Lowell? (laughs) No, I don't think so. Now, the fact that there is a virus is true. That's absolutely true. uh, And Joel says it's true in his article, too. He says it's true and it is serious. And, 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 but, but, but the point is that it's no more serious than the seasonal flu is. And, um, and then he, he, he indicates that many, many of the tests that are used to, to test for COVID-19, uh, lead to false positives. You know, half of them, uh, even as many as up to 80% of the tests, um, are false positives. Uh, and he, and he shows the studies that, uh, and he cites the studies that show that they're unreliable. I mean, even the people who build the test and, and haven't tested them, they, you know, they're testing for some sequence of RNA. I mean, this is very interesting. He talks about how the COVID-19 is a combination of uh, genetic material sliced in from HIV 
and other SARS-type viruses, right? And so in order to, to, to prove the existence of COVID-19, a lab must develop a test that detects multiple parts of the unique COVID-19 genome, and that is a new and difficult task. Because when you test for some RNA sequence that is also found in other variants of the coronavirus, you get false positives. He says, I suspect there are a lot of people testing positive for COVID-19 that don't actually have it. And in fact, that might explain, he says, might explain the way the CDC admits that 25% of, the, of those tested positive don't have any symptoms. <laughs> the CDC says that. 25% of those tested positive don't have any symptoms. But they say that's why we have to lock everybody down so hard, because everybody's just running around spreading the virus with no symptoms. Well, my response to that is, then that means 25% of the people will never be affected negatively, will they? They'll be able to work and eat and live and love, and, and life will be normal for those people, right? Exactly right. In fact, you know, some tests, some, some um, scientists are testing for the uh, presence of COVID-19, whereas other people test for the antibodies to COVID-19. And so just because you have the antibodies for COVID-19, does that mean you have you have the virus itself? Well, or, or that you did have it? I did have it. That's a good thing. That's an incredibly good thing. Well, in fact, if enough people had it, they'd develop what they always push for with vaccines. It's called herd immunity, right? Exactly right. And, and, and so... It, it, I don't know. It's just it's just so Anyway, crazy. Uh, Joel no, uh, I'm sorry. Joel Skousen talks about this in detail in his World Affairs brief. The article's so long we'll never get to it all, but the point is people are asking serious questions and I think fair honest questions from the new American to Joel Skousen uh, and, and the patriot community is completely divided over this. Some say how dare you question the president on this? Oh, this is serious. How dare you not take it seriously? Others are saying you're being controlled by the mainstream press. But Bill Sardi writes an incredible, incredible article that says this. Nation in coronavirus turmoil. Is there no way out? And that's kind of the way I feel right now. And that's why I'm pushing back so hard. They want you to believe there's really no way out of this. That's right, Sam. Yeah, he, he talks about, and the reason I mentioned Bill Sardi, uh, I, I like to mention him, is that almost every day he will post another article on this topic. And he will show how... Oh, man. He will show how uh, crazy it is. Uh, I mean, the, the mainstream media and these so-called experts, they're always talking about, um, you know, uh, quarantining yourself, self-isolating, social distancing, uh, staying indoors. Doing Basically, they're recommending the wrong thing. Um, for example, transmission of tuberculosis occurs almost exclusively indoors. The risk of transmission in the indoor environment increases if the room is too small and or the rate of exchange of air is low, poor ventilation, basically. Both of, both of these factors, he says, act to increase the concentration of airborne tu uh, tu uh, tuberculosis uh, bacteria and therefore the likelihood of inhaling them, right? And so, in other words, the government is recommending just the wrong thing, the wrong action for this. Bill Sardi says you should get out in the fresh air, get out in the sunshine. And this is what uh, all of the good doctors that I read say as well. Get Because the, uh, sunshine creates vitamin D in the body, and that's one of the main killers of viruses, the very, one of the main ways the body combats and defends itself against viruses. 
is vitamin D. Well, you don't get vitamin D by staying indoors. You get it by exposing the skin to the sunshine out of doors. <laughs> and so it's, it's, I just love the way that Bill talks about well, and the concern here is the way the mainstream press talks about it and the way the administration uh, through Anthony Fauci talks about it. What they say is, look, going out in the sun's not going to help you much. The sun has to be too um, too powerful. Uh, it would really be bad for your skin uh, if it were to do any good to get rid of the virus. And they're missing the whole point. The point is that the sun uh, shining on your body lets your body manufacture uh, and receive the vitamin D that it's that it needs. And when I say manufacture, I just mean uh, bring it in naturally and utilize it in the body. Um, so we're not talking about just how hot the sun is or how penetrative it is. We're talking about the, the the reaction in the body that takes place when it's exposed to sunlight. But see, they miss the whole real scientific discussion, lol, and they just mock you and go, oh, sunlight ain't going to solve it. Well, yeah. they're not telling you the whole story. <laughs> they aren't. And in fact, Bill Sardi says the health authorities at the CDC certainly must be aware of the volumes of published data showing sunlight deficiency is the primary inducer of seasonal influenza and tuberculosis. If the CDC is ignorant of this fact, they need to turn in their badge. <laughs> well, and that's why I'm calling for Anthony Fauci to turn in his badge. Okay, this yeah. is this is a serious problem. You got to ask also the other question that Sardi asks, which is this: Is the CDC attempting to keep the masses vulnerable to COVID nineteen so they can be rescued by some future vaccine that many biotech companies are racing to develop right now? See, when the vaccine comes, they'll be saying everybody's got to take it so we can develop herd immunity. But what about the fact that most people may have already had some form of this and let natural immunities take over? 25% don't even have symptoms. Uh, maybe uh, 5% at most even go to the hospital. Uh, that's of the people detected, not of even the population. And then how many die? Very, very few. But most of the time it's elderly with some type of underlying conditions. See, they're just not telling you the whole story here. And you got to wonder why, Lowell. Well, they want to be able to control the populations of the world. They, they want to be able to, at the drop of a hat, declare some emergency and, and begin vaccinating um, everybody in the world. That's their end game. Uh, in my opinion, they, they want to uh, impose vaccines and, and, and as, as evidence in support of my claim that that's what they want to do. Let's go back to Bill Gates's, uh, well, the article in Vigilant Citizen. Uh, latest news, Bill Gates calls for a digital certificate to identify who is vaccinated, Sam. And you're, you're not going to get your next driver's license unless you've been vaccinated. I think this is worth talking about, Sam. Ah, uh, there you go. When we get back, we'll get Kurt to chime in on this. And then I got a shocking news for you. We'll talk about it in seconds. of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. 
The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. It's the uh, definitely the days of freedom are upon us. I mean, it's freedom's breaking out all over. Bill Gates uh, defending freedom, uh, making sure that uh, everybody's free to drive as long as you have your uh, proper little uh, sticker on there and you hey, buddy, this vaccinated is properly. You, you know. Oh, sorry <laughs> about that, Sam. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, freedom breaking out all over, huh, Lowell? Yeah. Well, it broke out. Uh, down under there in Argentina at the end of uh, 2018, in December of 2018, that's when the uh, the, uh, the legislative body of Argentina passed a law saying you cannot uh, get a driver's license unless you can prove that you've received your recommended vaccination. Uh, that's the law in Argentina right now, folks, um, and it's coming uh, to uh, you know a jurisdiction near you in the near future. The it's coming to a yeah. jab center near you, sir. <laughs> the European Union, they, they're they on our target for 2022. So basically the next two years, they want everybody in that uh, union to be, uh, you know, be able to show proof of, of vaccination. You see, they don't, they don't want to re- require proof of immunization. They want to require proof of vaccination. There's a big, big difference there. People who haven't heard of this before don't really understand the difference. If you're... See, immunization is a good thing. If, if I'm immune to something, that means that uh, COVID-19, if I'm immune to COVID-19, that means that uh, my body is not going to, to, to get sick because of the COVID-19 uh, virus, because my body has an, an immunity to it. Vaccination is not immunity. Vaccination is the injection of foreign material, foreign DNA into the body. Um, in order to provoke a response by your immune system. But if your body has a compromised immune system or a weak 
immune system, no amount of foreign material, no, no amount of adjuvant is going to, to provoke the right response within your body. It's, it's, uh, it's an alien process. It's damaging process. It's one of the reasons we have so many people with immune comp- with compromised immune systems among us today. But we're, let's be very clear. We're not saying people can't choose that choice if they deem that necessary. What we're saying is we want to be allowed to choose as we, as we feel best as well. And that's the part that we've got a problem with. They're not willing to allow us to have our views, despite what the evidence or the data shows. Which is why Bill Sardi is talking about the importance of testing for the presence of COVID-19 antibodies, not the presence of the COVID-19 virus itself, right? There's a difference there. One of the reasons they quit testing for, I mean, over there in Britain, for example, they found that uh, 68% of those tested already have an antibody for COVID-19. That's that's over two-thirds of the people in Britain already have antibodies. And let me explain why, because it goes back a little bit to what you were saying before, Lowell. This virus is cobbled together, according to Joel Skousen's article and many others, from a bunch of different illnesses or whatever you want to say. And it just shows that it's man-engineered. Now, it might be naturally created from the get-go, but it's you know been picked up by man, put in a lab, and manipulated and engineered and weaponized. And you might develop an immunity to part of the virus, <clears throat> And when the virus comes in contact with you, you then can create the antibodies against it. Even though you may not create the antibodies against every portion of the of the disease, your body goes into appropriate defense mode to where it becomes a non-factor for you. And this is the part they're not educating on either. That, you know what, just because I may not have seen this virus, my body has not seen this virus, I might have seen, you know, three out of five parts already to it. Uh, and as a result, my body can still kick into immune system, step up or overdrive or whatever you want to call it. Also, if I'm using vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A, plenty of sunlight, plenty of fresh air, plenty of sleep, plenty of nutrition, my body might just be able to kick in and compensate for the missing pieces uh, itself. The body's, the body's a very dynamic thing. This is the part that, you know what, none of the medical professionals, at least surrounding um, the mainstream, are willing to tell you. But it's a fact, and I challenge any scientist on this. Lowell? Well, and they're not telling you because they want you, Sam, to be dependent on them for defense against COVID-19 and any other virus that might come down the pipe. They want to be able to give you vaccines. They want to sell you vaccines. They want to get rich off of your um, sickness, of your, uh, you know, trying to defend yourself against these vaccines. That's their game plan. That's what Big Pharma wants. That's what the vaccine manufacturers want, is you to be dependent on them uh, for your life, basically. They don't want. They also want control at the end of this vaccination tunnel, by the way, eventually, is population control or reduction uh, on the population using vaccines as the catalyst. Bill Gates has been speaking out on that for literally decades. He's one of the chief behind the scenes eugenicists, uh, and it's a very, very, very scary thing. One thing you should know, too, the, the administration has been using all these models. And these models have been proven wrong over and over and over and over again. Fauci never admits to this. But nevertheless, here's something that you should know. They had an expert prediction based on these models of how many hospital beds they would need by April 1st in New York. So they said by April 1st, we're going to need 50,000 hospital beds. Do you want to know how many it turned out they needed on April 1st, Lowell? No, it was less than that, a little far less than that. You, do you have a guess? Uh, probably, I don't know, 3,000. Not even close, sir. Way less. 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> 500. They had to have 1,200 beds, so they overestimated by 400%, Kurt. And now well, that's exactly there, right, but I don't see uh, too much uh, news coverage about that, uh, do you, Sam? And I want to know why. We've got all these guys around now covering the hospitals are empty, even though they say they're packed full on the news. We've got video cameras all over the country now where people are saying, uh-uh, you know what, the hospitals are empty. It's not even true. They're not packed full. That isn't true. And then now we see that the hospital beds, they said we're going to need 50,000, and now we only need 12,000. That's a 400%. 1,200, deal. right? 1,200, I'm sorry. Wasn't it? Let's see. Yeah, it was 400% too high. So what would that be? 12,000? 1,200. Yeah, I think it'd be closer to 50,000 is what they're predicting. Yeah. And what's 400% increase? Uh, Let's see. So at 12. uh, You can work on that, Matt. I'll just go back to the story. Uh, Nevertheless, it's kind of an interesting tidbit here, though. This is serious, serious business, though, where if they're going to basically say, you know, and and they predicted this only a couple of weeks in advance. And they said, hey, you know what? We need 50,000 hospital beds. I don't care what the numbers are. It didn't even come close to being true. Not even close to the truth. But here's the point. Based on all this misrepresented data, they're going to make you and I just absolutely melt down, completely destroy the economy, completely redistribute the wealth, and completely turn us into, well, what will the nation look like coming out of this? How many freedoms do you think we'll get back? All of them, Lol? Yeah, not a chance, Sam, unfortunately. Unless we fight for it, unless we demand, unless we insist that we give them back, then we are not going to give them back. And that... And that, by the way, is our biggest concern is not even so much about if the virus is real, but what are they doing with this? And by their fruits, shall you know them? Why would they be getting this kind of information? Do they really believe it's true and they're just wrong? Or do they know that it's wrong, but it serves their purposes? Yeah, it really does. And one other real important point, Sam, we need to make from Joel Skousen's article, uh, it's really uh, Piggybacking off by what journalist Peter Andrews, uh, he says, uh, developed basically a way to cross-check COVID-19 death rates with reality. So Peter Andrews, he looked at the British government's own statistics on total deaths registered weekly across the UK. And what he found was it shows in the week ending on the 8th of March 2019, okay, that's one year ago, 8th of March 2019, in, in, in that week, well, that year, ending in that week, so basically two and a half months, 10,898 people had died in the U.K. Then he compares that death rate with this year's death rate um, from January 1st to the week ending March 6th of 2020. Guess how many people died? 10, About the same. Yeah, 895. So just three people different between this year's death rate and last year's death rate in the UK. So if if COVID-19 was such a bad boy, then you would expect more people to have died this year than last. And yet that is not happening in the UK. It's not happening in any country in the world. Well, in a New York where they're supposedly right in the thick of it, though, not even close to as many beds as they were predicting. Now, let's take Utah, for example. You got 3.3 million people. Almost 31,000 people have been tested. Guess how many people are in the hospital in the whole state? I don't know, a dozen maybe? 124. Yeah. Okay, but 124 out of 30,000 tested? 
and then you compare that to the population, and then you say we already know 25% of them won't even have symptoms, and we know only about 5% at most will even go to the hospital. Okay, we're not being honest with the data. Kurt, did you have the number of beds on that yet? Well, I didn't, Sam, but I know this. Uh, uh, if it's 400% less. Um, yeah, 400%. Well, they projected it 400 times more than it's supposed to be. Yeah, so if if that's the case, then you take, uh, I think 1,200 would be the number because 1,200 times uh, 400, uh, you know, percent more uh i don't know maybe it's maybe it is twelve thousand. but the bottom is bottom line is bottom line is uh it's a whole lot less than what they came up with you know well yeah Lol? i just want to chime in here one second i have a nephew and and he's married to a gal both of whom work in the medical field he's an anesthesiologist she is registered nurse they live in connecticut and so i asked them on facebook yesterday what you know, what's the state of the hospitals over there? Because I, too, had seen the video of empty emergency rooms, empty hospitals, and... No By the way, it's 12,000, just so you guys know. Yeah, 12,000, yes. And that's what I was um, saying from the start. You're right. Um, and, so I, and so I asked them, and, and, they, and they said that hospitals are grateful that nobody is, is, is going to the hospital because what they, they, they want their hospitals empty right now because they expect an influx or a flood of people uh, with COVID-19. Now, yeah, but the expected flood, the news the news articles are saying that people are lining up and in massive queues and everybody's stumbling all over each other and waiting for hours and coming back day after day after day to be tested. And the mainstream press is flat out lying. Yeah, they are flat out lying. That is not happening. And and my nephew and his wife, they, they said, look, it, it, the virus is real. Of course, I agree with that. The hospitals are empty. And I agree with that. That's what's happening. And therefore, the mainstream news telling you that bodies or corpses are lying around, they're stacking up like cordwood, and uh, yeah, everybody's clamoring to get in hospitals. That is absolutely false. Our, our now, it may be true in New York where you need 12,000 beds all in a small location. It may be true somewhere. But it certainly isn't true across the nation like they want you to believe. And the reporters are documenting the facts. Yeah. The alternative reporters, I should say. The mainstream press is literally lying and getting caught lying. And then when they get caught, they knock cell phones out of people's hands and they get crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Folks, all we want is the truth. And sadly, we never got to your last article, Lol. No worries, Sam. I talk too much is the problem. No worries. Hey, it's great being with you, gentlemen. I love your shows to all that you do in the cause of liberty. Thank you, gentlemen. By the way, it's a Tom Woods article or a Tom Woods podcast that he has on a guest, and they talk about the benefits of price gouging. And they say, here again, we find that government intervention in the marketplace usually hurts those they intend to help. We see it over and over again. Thank you, Lowell. Godspeed, my brother. You're welcome, brother. He always does a phenomenal job, ladies and gentlemen. World Affairs, or not World Affairs Brief, that's Joel. This is ronpaulinstitute.org or campaignforliberty.org. For Sam Curtin Lowell. God save the Republic of the United States of America. And as the prophet of God says, turn to prayer and turn to God.